When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some it's just some facts right here. Hello and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan. And as always, this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. If you're listening, hit pause, hit subscribe, leave us a nice five-star review. We would love that. We love feedback as well. And as we just want to say thank you so much for listening and being a part of our show. So just a few short months ago, the Heavy Hours came on the show, and we were introduced to their amazing music. Now with a new album, Gardens of Old Songs, coming out in February, they are back. And when I say old songs, I mean it because they explain this, but these songs were written a few years ago, um, and they just kind of decided to put it together and release this album, which I think is fantastic. On this episode, we go song by song through the new album, and the fellas even shared some rough audio clips that they had recorded on their phones that show some of the song's origins. Really cool stuff. So without further delay, let's get into it with the Heavy Hours. Why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves, tell us uh, what instrument you play, and what you're most grateful for today. Let's do that. Ooh, uh, I'll start. I'm Michael. I sing play guitar, sometimes on piano. And today I am most grateful for, other than the fact that my favorite NFL team just broke a 30, 30 year playoff drought. I'm pretty grateful. Honestly, I'm going with that. I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's the, it's the first time in my life that I've seen the Bengals win a playoff game. Love it. Uh, I'm AJ, AJ Yorio. And uh, I am grateful for uh, I'm grateful for guitar pedals this morning. There we go. I uh, I uh, I have a I have a sad the sounds that I want to achieve with my guitar would be so hard without uh, <laughs> without these little magical little boxes. <laughs> I'm just you know going back to basics today. I'm uh, I'm John. I play bass and sing harmonies and. Today, I'm thankful that we got to release our first track off the album. That's true. Oh, it's a little scripted, but... <laughs> this is just kind of a crazy situation that you guys were looking to put out an album and then essentially just had all these songs from previously and just said, let's release these. Is that kind of what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, we recorded these 10 songs a few years back when we didn't really, you know, we weren't signed to any label. We didn't have a manager, had no team. It was just the four of us. And we like would play, played some local shows and trying just to save up money. Cause we just loved being in the studio. It's just so fun. And such like a unique experience to be in a studio and making new songs and working with smart people and producers and stuff, which is really, really fun. So we saved up our money and went and recorded these 10 songs as fast as we possibly could because we didn't have an, uh, that much money. So we only had about like <laughs> nine days or something down there. Um, and it just turned out to be like this really like, I don't want to make it sound too dramatic, but it was like a pretty like life changing, you know, nine days, like serendipitous. Yeah. We just like, we really connected with, you know, the, the producer down there, Adrian, um, Adrian Olson in Richmond, Virginia, he's an awesome guy. And we just kind of like, 
you know, like really truly found our sound. We, we really connected with these 10 songs. These were like 10 songs that we had been kind of writing and working on for in our practice space for, you know, even years before this. And it just kind of became like this like monumental moment for us. And I think we, uh, we always kind of in the back of our minds knew that we had to put these songs out somehow. And uh, it just kind of became the right time to do it now. Yeah, our heroes are all rock stars, you know, uh, besides Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Uh, of course. Our heroes are all rock stars. And so for us, us uh, getting to spend a week in a real uh, recording studio uh, with a real producer, that was like us getting to live out our fantasy. I remember talking to like, you know, all the wives and girlfriends and it's like, okay, you guys are going to take a, a week off from your life. Usually guys go to like, you know, Vegas or like a rafting trip. Like you sure you want to go, you know, spend all this money uh, writing songs. And we were just, we were never more confident or sure about uh, a way to spend our time. Uh, and like Michael said, the coolest part about it was, you know, we had no direction or artistic direction. It was just, it was just what we had been, what we had been writing in, in our basement. And so, yeah. I'm interested to know, like, it's just like, talk to you guys down the road. Once, once the, once, once it all happens and you're just recording album after album and to look back at this and be like, was this the freedom that we felt the no restrictions, like we were paying for it out of our own pockets and all that kind of stuff. Is that, did that leave us the opportunity to produce this album in a way that is better or different or in some way progression than what you have to do maybe feeling like the confines of like the label coming at you and then a producer being like nope we're gonna do it like this and that kind of stuff I'm just curious to know down the road if that might come to be yeah that'll be an interesting one to look back on yeah I think that uh, this album is really important to our story you know I think this is a good uh even though it's getting uh released after our uh, wildfire EP it's, it's material that was created well before that and so I think it's really important for uh, you know listeners to have this piece of the puzzle and uh, watch as the other uh, pieces fall because you know it's it's to us we've sort of realized like a band with no manager and no producer like oh cool they are you know they're being rebellious but at the same time uh, sometimes that band gets a little lost and self-consumed and needs, you know, to be guided. And then you have the band uh, on the other extreme that might be totally contrived from a, a marketing firm or something. So uh, we're trying to live our next goal. Our path forward is to uh, is to be in the middle. Uh, you know, we don't want to be either extreme or demonize one way or the other. Not the Beatles, not the monkeys but somewhere <laughs> right here. <laughs> I like that. So we've got uh, the album Gardens, which do you guys want to, do you guys have an exact date of when this is dropping? Because I don't think I, I got that, but let me know. Yeah, February, February 18th. 18th? I think so, yeah. 18th? Oh man, yeah. it's later than I thought. Uh, 11th. 11th. Uh-uh, I got pushed back. All right, 18th. <laughs> 18th it is. Uh, oh, that's... it's like a, like a nine-day event. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're all just we're all just learning this stuff. This is great. Yeah, so, day. I, I know these things can shift around, so I never trust my notes that I've made. They do always shift yeah, around. I never trust. It'll anything. probably end up being I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so this is what's kind of cool about this. And they've kind of touched on this a little bit already is that this is a bunch of music that was recorded before their EP before a lot of the stuff that has happened over the last couple of years has happened to you guys. And what's wonderful, and what kind of got my attention is that you guys kind of have these audio clips that tell the story of some of these songs, which I think is going to be so much fun. So um, let's just start from the top.
too scared to know. There is a funny and uh, there's a there's a great audio clip that goes with this one. This this song I like this song a lot because it sort of changes uh, its main melody like three different times. It kind of has these three parts to it, and I remember uh, having an idea for one of those parts. I think I might have been with family or friends at a party, and I just pulled out my phone. I started humming into the into the microphone, and it sounded so stupid, but uh, you can see exactly what <laughs> what point in the song it uh, it influenced. And that was a crazy song too. I remember we had some, we finished writing those lyrics in the studio. And I remember there was, uh, there was some creative, there were some creative ideas thrown around. Uh, I remember come, I had come up with some like really, really asinine lyrics for the, for the end of it. And our producer pulled a book off of his shelf and threw it at us. And he's like, he's like, come up with something that, that's actually good by tomorrow. <laughs> and, and, and Mike will sing that. <laughs> yeah, I remember you had some crazy ideas. It was, some, yeah, it was a wild lyric. I don't know if we can repeat it here. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it wasn't inappropriate. <laughs> it wasn't inappropate. It was just so bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was really, really fun. Really, really fun though. I remember because um, we were just like kids in this candy shop, and we just, you yeah. know, all these crazy ideas and all these crazy sounds. But we weren't smart enough, or actually, like we didn't know enough about the recording process to know how you achieve these sounds or whatever. So we would like go to Adrian, the producer, and we're like, Adrian, listen to this Black Key song. We really like the drums in this, or something like that. And I remember we were like annoying him really bad because we wanted just like really just like dirty compressed sounding crazy sounding drums and uh i think he, he almost kind of like would take it as a test like oh you, you guys want that sound all right, right let's see if we can do it and he yeah. would like oh wow do, go yeah into the lab we asked him like make the drums sound like this and he sort of looked at us and said that's the most overprocessed nonsense <laughs> like you don't even know what you're talking about and then yeah like michael said the next day yeah, he, would, he would do it so we'd walk in and be like well look what i did and he did it God, that's incredible <laughs> I remember this song, one of the big moments in it is is the like time signature change about halfway through the song. And I, I remember at the time we wrote it, there was a like Mike Maines and the Branches song that does a similar thing where it, like mm -hmm. it changes tempo and we were like in love with that song. So we were like, how do we incorporate that into a song? And we did that. And it, I don't know, it feels really fun. It's a really fun, I don't know. Yeah, we wanted a, a you know, a, a song to kind of like set the tone for the album and we feel like you know this was the the a perfect song to kind of do that i think so too i mean it really kind of grabbed me as i was listening to it this morning and was like okay like this is a really nice little first track to to introduce you to the album and kind of get you engaged because you know so many people won't listen to things top to bottom anymore and when i get the opportunity to do it it's one of my favorite things to do and it really kind of tells the story and you got I think you guys did a good job of that so great lead off and circling back to what you said about time signatures when I was playing in bands before that was always something that I wanted to do as a drummer was let's try and figure out a way to just switch it up even for the middle eight or whatever it might be and just see if we can't throw people off and see if we can pull it off that yeah. I, mean, I, I love that kind of stuff it keeps me engaged of the monotony of playing the same songs over and over again yeah, it pumps it pumps you up as a listener. What do we have with Take My Heart, I'll Take Yours Too? song this the this song this is the single that we just released today which is fun um yeah it kind of was like the sleeper on the album uh i've known aj since eighth grade so i i remember him always playing this lick on guitar so it's been in my head for, 
10 years too. And like, will you learn anything else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, finally, okay, we'll let you yeah. use it. Jesus. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was always this really, the really pretty, pretty guitar lick. And AJ was in bands in high school and tried to make it into some songs, but the melody was always pretty crazy and probably was hard to play it and sing something at the same time. <laughs> it needed some help. From, yeah. From and, friends. and, uh, and we were just kind of like, yeah, brought it back one day. And we're like, oh, that's funny. You know, that's the lick that AJ wrote 10 years ago. And then, yeah, me and John sat down and kind of like fleshed out this, you know, more of a, a melody that fits in with the rest of the album. And we ended up really, really liking it. And it was like one of the, this was kind of around the time where we found out John could sing really, really beautiful harmonies. And so we were, we were like really excited about this song because on almost like every at the end of every verse and on the chorus like it has this like long drawn out three-part harmony which is really really fun so it was kind of yeah just like this this newer song that we had never really a newer type of song that we hadn't really tried to write before ended up being really cool yeah, i especially like the idea of holding on to a guitar riff for a long time the the jingle for the song facts podcast is something that i wrote on a guitar years ago in like yeah. the early 2000s and wrote some weird song about Marianne having a was a murderer who carried the brains of her victims around in a suitcase. <laughs> Dude, that sounds awesome. Which shouldn't have the pop appeal that I imagined it to. But it's a hook. And I always knew that it was a hook. And so I was like, well, let me just try and write a jingle out of this instead. So we just yeah. put it put some words to it and made that happen. So I love holding on to those types of ideas and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. All right, now we're ready for it. Back porch. What do we got with this one, guys? This is my favorite song on the album, I think. Oh, cool. Back Porch, I remember, the only thing I remember about Back Porch is uh, in the studio, we have a great audio clip of this. In the in the practice space uh sort of playing around with it and uh i had some i had some melody ideas and some some lyrical ideas and i remember right as soon as i shared those michael was michael like popped up and he's like hey wait everybody hold on and he like made us all do like a a four-part oh, harmony yeah. and for some re for some reason this song i don't know michael just like heard the potential for the harmonies in here and uh, obviously you can hear those on the recorded track mm -hmm. with Mike and John. We probably weren't very good at singing harmonies back then. I was just <laughs> in the beginning stages of actually learning out how to do it. But. Uh, it sounds great though. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think that you would, I mean, I couldn't tell that this morning. I, I, I listened as closely as I can. <laughs> All, right. All right. I'll take that. Um, Were you about to say something, John, about the song? Oh, I, one of my favorite parts on this song in the studio was uh, towards the end when we were Every song we kind of, we'd laid out all the, you know, rhythm tracks and all the things you would expect to be in a song. And then on like the, towards the end of the day, we would always record like percussion or just random things, things that were more creative or things that we didn't necessarily know we wanted in the song at, at first. And the, the one interesting part on this song is like these bells, these like massive. Yeah, like the chimes. Chimes, oh, yeah. chimes, yeah. Chimes. And you like, you know, whack it with like a, like a metal hammer. Yeah. And Adria like went in and like put the bells on at the very end mm -hmm. and kind of the big crescendo moment of the song. And I just always love that sound. It was just really fun to watch it get like recorded onto the album. We never had access to instruments like that. And so we kind of just went buck wild. And then on the drive home, we were like, oh shit, we got to learn how to play this live. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the back porch is, is funny because it's like, you know, we we have these songs that have like, that we tried to write that would have like these huge, really loud choruses or like super, super like memorable licks or like, you know, like a jingle or whatever, like. yeah. And Back Porch didn't really like have any of those. It's, it's just like a pretty simple, like two chord song with like kind of a chorus. Like it doesn't really, yeah. it doesn't it's really a, even a, have like a true chorus. And so in, you know, in, in our minds, it was just like, 
a pretty song that we really liked and meant a lot to us, but by no means was going to be like this, this like single by any means. But then like we got home and showed the album to our friends and family. And for some reason, I would say like 90% of the people we showed this album to every, like 90% of them was like, yeah, like back porch, that's the best song. That's the single. And so it was just like kind of this thing that kind of caught us by surprise, but I guess that's kind of a, in a cool way. You know, I, I really like how this like simple, not, it's not like a very produced song at all. It's like an acoustic guitar and a bass and a lead guitar and a very simple drum drum beat, but it, it kind of became like a bigger thing than we expected. Yeah. So how long ago were you guys recording this? Like, what was the time? Do you remember what, what year was it? What month was it when you guys were in the studio doing this? Yeah, about three years ago. October two. You guys recall on this is incredible. <laughs> like we said, man, it was like, uh, you yeah. know, I'm remembering it was this. like the, one of the best weeks of our lives. Yeah, I remember this better than I remember my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And if you need me to edit that, let me know. Because um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and next we have wasting all our time and yeah sure. what first gets me is like is this is the title a preview of what the song is going to be about and i think the recollection that i have is that it was wasting all of our time is kind of like a to me like this time stamp of where you guys were at in your lives yeah yep. maybe contemplating are we just wasting our time trying to be mu- professional yeah. musicians you, you, it was, you've got it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was just a little bit we were sort of uh we weren't there were no super hard feelings but the four of us at the time felt like our friends were giving us a lot of uh shit for being you know spending so much time with this like you know this silly band or whatever yeah and uh that's what that kind of had that line of profits in our hometown It was kind of like, in a way, I feel like we kind of wrote this song in like an angsty mid-20s, young 20-year-old kind of like F you to like getting a normal boring job and just settling down. We want to like go chase our dreams and, you know, we might be wasting all our time, but this is what we want to do kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, and the song, you know, it's like, I, I really, this is probably my favorite song on the album. And it started out as this like very slow kind of like I think AJ had this little riff or like this little melody and it was kind of like a slow kind of in the same vein as like back porch and then I remember me and John sat down with it for a little bit more and like cranked it to a hundred and we're like if we're gonna sing a song about wasting our time we want it to be like the most in-your-face rock and roll banger that we possibly can so we tried to make this one we were really influenced by like Jay Roddy Walston and the business on this one just like if there's ever a song where we can be messy and not exactly play the right notes and it doesn't matter, like, and I can just sit up there and bang the keys on a piano and scream in the microphone, this is kind of it. Yeah. I remember the first, the first, uh, it, my, my initial vision for the song was uh, like something along the lines of like, uh, like a tempo that was like, swear it ain't a love song, that would be too much. And then Michael, yeah, he was just like, swear, and it helped it, and it, it turned into a rock and roll song. Yeah. Stay tuned for more Song Facts Podcast right after this. Music. Everyone loves it. But who listens to the lyrics? We do. She doesn't live in a shantytown. She lives in capital S shantytown. <laughs> yeah. You put patches from old shantytown on a resume, <laughs> you're not getting that job. You know what I mean? On the Story Song Podcast, we break down the lyrics you've heard a thousand times. 
go to Barnes and Noble, 20 bucks, farming for dummies. Right. Chapter one, don't farm at night. Chapter two, don't farm in the winter. <laughs> yeah. The index is just like blizzard. See also, don't. We also look at the history of the song. So the monster mash is on the R&B jazz. <laughs> Clearly it should be on the monster chart. <laughs> oh, it was, it was number one on the monster chart. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. The Story Song Podcast. Find it wherever you download podcasts. Is there a process? It sounds to me like you guys are similar to me in, in the sense that if you're listening to something that's resonating inside of you, even when you're trying to make something your, of your own, because you, you say like you, throughout this, you're saying a lot of the times like, well, we were kind of listening to this band. And so we kind of got that influence in on this song at this time. And that's something that I love. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily want to talk about because they're like, oh, we kind of stole this idea, but it's like, no, like all you did was take it and make it your own. Um, mm -hmm. it, did you guys find that you were doing that a lot? Or, and do you still do that? Oh yeah. I, I, think, I, yeah. I think anybody who, any band who says they don't do that is just flat out lying. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's so natural to be influenced and to fall in love with other bands and artists and for that to impact how you write, how you create. I mean, not like so overtly, but like, I think, yeah, we were listening to, to a, a bunch of our favorite bands that are still our favorite bands today back then. And of course, like, of course we, we there were ideas in those songs that we thought were really cool and we wanted to make our own and put, you know, in our own songs. But yeah, I think that's just, I think that's just music. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that's like the best part about music is like, you know, being, 16 17 years old in high school and like hearing jay rowdy walston or delta spirit for the first time and being like oh man i've never heard anything like that i want to make something like that and even if you set out to copy them like overtly and like i want to make something exactly like that like you're still a different person you still have different voices and you still have different ideas like you can't even replicate it so it's like yeah i i think that and that's something we've always been super open about like is who we're influenced by because we those those bands that we look up to have done amazing things and have essentially like influenced us to even start a band so hopefully one day there's a weird 16 year old that hears our music and wants to make a band yeah that's, that's exactly right there's no better thing that you guys could give to somebody through the music that you make i i really like that um just a reminder, we're here at the Heavy Hours. The album Gardens is coming out February 18th, we all think. And um, <laughs> next we have To My End. We're going track by track, and we're at To My End towards the middle of the album. What's the story behind this one, guys? Every one of these songs is my favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> this one is cool. My favorite part about this is the uh, is towards the end and the guitar solo. It just kind of there's a guitar solo. Michael's vocals. He starts sort of vamping and uh, getting a little loud. And I don't know. I I really like the uh, the chorus dropouts. I mean. Yeah, it's it's it was kind of this. Speaking of influences, this song was kind of influenced by uh, the song "Wicked Game." Oh no way! Uh, Chris Isaac. Yes, and I remember we watched that music video for that song for the first time in the studio, <laughs> and I remember I had never seen the music video for that. Yeah, for that. To show it. And so that was funny, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I got nothing to say other than I really like this song. <laughs> I I remember something funny about this song. Back at the time when we were writing this album, so a few months before we stepped into the studio, uh, I was kind of known in this band as like kind of like a music theory stickler. Like I didn't know much about music theory at the time, but there were certain chords to me that were off limits. Like you could you could only use the key, you know, the chords in the you know major scale. And <laughs> and so like we were working on the like verse of this song and then we were trying to figure out a chorus and I went out of town or something and I came back into town 
and Mike and AJ had sat me down. They're like, John, we were working on this song, and there's going to be we, we wrote something that sounds really cool for the chorus, but it's like doesn't follow normal like chord theory. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And so the song's an E, and instead of the chorus starting on the major five chord, it actually starts on a minor a minor fifth, or like the the fifth is minor, not major. Yeah. And so and it sounds great. And the, <laughs> And I, it worked, and I was just like, I, I remember I got over myself. Like, <laughs> well, let's nerd out on that for a second because I love this kind of stuff. So, that that go, you know, just people who know this is basic, but to people who don't, if you change it to a minor key, you're going to change the tone of what the messages that you might be trying. It's going to maybe go a little bit darker, or whatever the minor key does to it. Did you guys feel like that? was the goal that you had in mind and then when you were originally trying to do it to the major fifth that just wasn't resonating with you yeah for sure yeah i don't know if it was that well like thought yeah, out at the it, time it like probably it was, was a happy accident yeah honestly. Probably was like, okay. oh, this, <laughs> it's like we were talking about earlier like you know you you take things from your favorite bands like nobody truly invents anything uh song structure wise they just discover it and i think that we were we were very dumb. John was a little smarter. We were no. discovering, uh, like, yeah, exactly what you said. Like, why isn't this resonating? Why does this chord resonate a little more? Like, you know. And we, we were, we were, you know, it, the song was. It took a a, a long time to write this song because we had like the uh, the verse that we messed around with for like a year and could never write a chorus to it. And I think the the problem was like, yeah, we we were kind of like, again, nerd talk. We were like in the mindset we're kind of obsessed with like just one four five so we're just like dude one four five rock and roll music That's where you uh, start. yeah and so to break out of that that mindset and like to open up this whole world of like oh there's other chords out there other <laughs> chords <don't play."> yeah. <laughs> and it was and it's a little it's a little risky going from that major to the minor because in my head that's very much what like a musical would do and you know Mike and John and I, we hate musicals. So. <laughs> we don't want to do anything resembling a musical. Well, if it's any consolation, I'm pretty sure Nirvana did that all the time too. So <laughs> okay, good, 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 compare good, yourself good. to them or compare yourself to musicals. It's your call. <laughs> Let's talk about distant state. What I love is that you guys just are so in love with these songs, even though it was a few years ago, it's like fresh on your brains now doing the well, publicity before it comes out. And I just love the enthusiasm for the music you guys are making. So keep that going. Number number one, this is probably, I'm, I'm going to say my second favorite song on the album, only because I can't think of what my first favorite is right now. Uh, and this is like a, this is a song that really all the meat and potatoes of it happened inside John's head. And he, he brought it to practice one day and he was like, guys, got a song I want to show you. And we expected him to yeah, get we were pretty much like done writing the album. This was like an add on. So like, like, we replaced yeah, like this song. We got before. it. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, Oh brother, like Mr. Mr. Chance, dude. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, we are expecting him to come out with a guitar and sing, you know, a one, four, five song, but he like rigged up this weird, his phone to his amp. And he, he had like a backing track almost. And he like, he, he made us leave the I, basement. Yeah. I, so, <laughs> I was so, I'm still this way. Like anytime I have an idea that I want to bring to the band, like I get so nervous. I get so nervous in front of Mike and Easter, even though like they're the best friends I've ever had. I just get nervous. And so, the, to me, like the harmonies were a really big part of this song, and I was listening to a bunch to a bunch of like the head and the heart, and and when I uh, wrote the song, and so I was like, man, I really got to like accentuate this harmony. So when I show it to them, I have to like pull off the harmonies. But I can't. <laughs> I don't have somebody to sing them with me, so I have. 
So I recorded myself singing the main melody and like playing some chords. And then I blasted that over speakers and like sang the harmonies to that. Oh, that's amazing. And, and that was like my presentation. But you tell them the rest of the yeah. story. What First of all, this is, this is before we had, for anybody listening, this is before we had the technology to record multi-track recordings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> John had to play his accompaniment next yeah, yeah. So i love he, the analog i love the analog feel of that yeah, yeah. so like he makes us leave the practice space he's like oh, let me get it all set up and then come back in and i'll be i'll be ready to go and we're like okay this is really weird john you can just show us the song you can like record it like i don't know why this has to be a big production he's like this is just the, he's like it's in my mind this is the only way it's going to work and so we like leave the practice space and come back in and uh, you were like standing, like you didn't have a guitar. I, th- or I thought you were sitting on a stool very proper. Stool. Yeah, like, he was like sitting on yeah, a stool very proper, and he was like <laughs> trying to like sing with his hands behind his back. And it was this was at the time when that I don't know the kid's the name, the yodeler, the yodel kid from the Walmart, where he like sang that weird song, got all famous. Oh god! <laughs> and so, and so John sang it and like did a great job singing harmonies and everything. But for some reason, we like. We kept calling him Walmart boy because we called the song Walmart. Song. Yeah, we we called him the way that Walmart I song because like of the way John presented it and he was like singing all weird and like it looked like the Walmart kid. So so John, who's terrified of showing us his song ideas, what does he do when he delivers us this beautiful song? We make fun of him and we call him the Walmart kid. This is exactly where my head went. That's so perfect. Yeah, and so the song was beautiful and we loved the song, but. We end up bullying him and calling him Walmart boy. And the song was called Walmart kid for like, for like years. Yeah. Even when the song went to go get mastered, we got a call and he's like, you guys really want this song to be a, like actually titled Walmart Kid. We're like, no, God, no, 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 no. It's like it got sent to the master under, with, that. under the name Walmart Kid, and we're yeah. like, oh man, we gotta, we gotta be better friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so where did the change to Distant State come from? That was, I think, the name of it all along. We just were too bad of friends to ever yeah. call it. That. A lot of these names. <laughs> just trolling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> song names were of the lowest priorities. A lot of these songs were named like two days ago when we had to. Oh, know, really? Okay. Submit yeah. the final master. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Well, I got I got to actually listen to a pre-master version of some of these, which was phenomenal. That's great. That's that awesome. never happens. Obviously, I won't share that, but I. <laughs> I, I just love when I get to hear like something that's just not quite, but it's almost like more of like a live performance. And I, I really, I really liked it. Um, okay, next we've got Waste Away. Where'd this one come from guys? another primarily you know it was an idea that was brought to us by John and it was like we had just recorded we had just recorded our first record ever in in Nashville and this was in 2016-2017 and that was super fun and it was very uh, just sort of bar band a little country a little classic rock and then uh, Waste Away was the first song that uh, kind of introduced this new direction we wanted to go in. And it was very, uh, you know, Kings of Leon and very sort of fruit bats and uh, wide open landscapes, a lot of reverb, electric guitar that was cool. We were moving away from our first first record sound. Um, and then it, I don't it totally changed it like changed into a mariachi song at one point yeah it just like this song had like three lines that it's like, yeah it was a very like Kings of Leon song originally and then it was like AJ said like a very like almost beachy yeah song at one point and yeah. then we kind of landed in um, um I think a much more natural place which is just kind of like this this unconventional rock song that's got a lot of like you know bar song type vibes but also some some weirdness to it that 
I think makes it a little bit more. We added some guitar tracks a couple yeah. of weeks ago and, and rearranged yeah, some things. And, uh, it was good to spend two years away from it. We figured out exactly what it needed. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys find it hard to do some, like put it in the, record it, get it in the can and then circle back and listen to it on the road and be like, cause a lot of times you don't get that opportunity to be able to add the changes that you want. Like it's done, it's out, it's mastered. And then you release it. This is a unique opportunity for you guys to go back and be like, Ooh, I'm kind of hearing another couple of layers of guitar and maybe change up this a little bit. Was that a unique experience? It seems like it would have been. Yeah, it was, it was unique, but it was, I'm so glad we had the opportunity to do it because, mm -hmm. you know, we, we definitely like when we sat down and we're like, okay, we have the opportunity to revisit some of these songs. The main thing we didn't want to do, which I think like naturally my personality would want to do would be like to go back and re-engineer everything and, and overthink it. And we definitely didn't want to like go back and change everything and kind of like lose the magic of what we had down there and what we had when we were two years younger and, like there was something, there was something that we captured down there that we did definitely didn't want to lose. So we we kind of like made sure to like pause the put the brakes on and be like, all right, I know we have the ability to go back and change some things, but let's that doesn't mean we should. But there were also some things that just due to the fact that we didn't have that much money back then and we only had nine days that we never really got to explore. So we were like, let's pick like three songs, three or four songs that we like definitely like ran out of time or ran out of, you know, resources that kind of hit the first time. Let's do the things we always wanted to do and not touch anything else. So I think we kind of like did a good job of pulling the reins back and not like going too deep into, into the world of like, well, we can do this and we can change this kind of thing. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, talk to me about Skinny Heart. Skinny Heart kind of falls in line with like Waste Away and wasting, waste, all our time. wasting All Our Time where we just like, I don't know, we, we were going to a lot of like, again, we, J. Reddy Walston concerts and Delta Spirit concerts and just these, these concerts that were like very different from like the shoegaze indie pop thing where it's like everyone just kind of like in the crowd looking down, not really like, you know, not really that exciting to us, I guess, what we were, yeah. we, were, we were trying to say. And then we like found these bands that just kind of like went out on stage and just like blew your freaking mind all over. And like they got everybody moving. And they got everybody yeah. moving. Like this, this thing that we had never really seen before where it's just like a lot of energy and it's just so fun. Like it was just, I, I don't know how to describe it other than it's just like, it's just a really fun time to go in to see a band that for an hour and a half just like, keeps the momentum going and like in this really cool way where they get the whole crowd to kind of like buy in to what they're doing on stage. Yeah. And, and we just kind of like wanted, we wanted to do that. You know, we like, we, there weren't a lot of bands, at least in the Cincinnati music scene that were doing that. And we just really wanted to kind of like bring this raw, honestly, it's, it's not, we're not inventing anything new. It's one, four, five rock songs. It's what freaking Chuck Berry did in the yep. 60s. Like, <laughs> like we, and, but we just like, we love that. And we just think that that energy is really, really fun and something that's like easy to get behind and really, really fun for us to play. So this song kind of fell in line with that vision of like, let's make some songs that are fun for us to play and fun for people to listen to. It's kind of as simple as that. I think that that's a really selfless way to do it. You're kind of doing one for the fans, doing one for the live show where it's not necessarily like well we don't have to focus too much on like the song structure we don't have to get crazy in the musicianship or the the yeah. musical theory that kind of thing let's just make a fun song that like engages people and maybe they can sing along to you know some of the best shows that i've seen over the last few years you touched on one of the bands the head and the heart 
Mm-hmm. I saw, and they like, they like got emotional. I was at Red Rocks and they were like, our dream, our entire dream was to play a venue like this, sell it out. And we've done that. And the guy just like started bawling on stage, yeah. like <laughs> having that. Kind, and then just like with nothing but acoustic instruments, just like yeah. getting the crowd jumping and stomping. And the Lumineers did that same thing to me. And I just, I was actually, when I was listening to this this morning, my wife was um, still in bed and she was like, oh, is that the new Lumineers album? I I think they'll take that as a compliment. I think they might like that one. (laughs) Yeah, no one here is a perfect example of that. You know, like they're not, they're not over engineering anything. They're not. You know, no one in the Lumineers is going to be known as the best shredder in the world when they're done playing, but <laughs> but everyone's going to remember those songs. So. Yeah, and the lyrics reflect that too. The lyrics uh, in Skinny Heart are sort of like tongue-in-cheek and a little jaded and just sort of calling out different demographics and, and straw men. But, uh, and then, but this album kind of has it all too, because, you know, going back to Take My Heart, I'll Take Yours Too, like those are extremely personal, like, uh super deep lyrics and and then you've got songs like skinny heart and uh i like how this album sort of you know it's the same it's the same sonically but it uh sort of encompasses all different you know life stages and things yeah do you guys look back at this and be like i probably wouldn't write these lyrics now as i've gotten older or is this a specific snapshot of where you guys were at that point in time it is a specific snapshot. I don't, I don't think that we would write lyrics like this moving forward, which is why I'm glad that people can hear it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that you this is a day and like the sheet. Yeah, like yeah. some of these, some of these songs are very wordy. Yeah, and like you know, and I was like, man, I got a lot. I could like go back and relearn all these words. It's a lot easier to, <laughs> sit and to write a song with a very rememberable, you know. Yeah. Well, another reason to write catchy songs, it's easy to remember all the lyrics. <laughs> um, so when you jump from skinny heart to spend my money, these seem like totally different themes lyrically. So talk to me about spend my money. I, when I hear, when I see that title, I'm like, is this just about spending the money to have nine days in a studio? <laughs> and like, is it going to, is it worthwhile? Is it a worthwhile expenditure? <laughs> <laughs> you wrote the lyrics to this one, Mike. Yeah, I, I don't, I honestly, but this was, this was a song that was kind of like around since the very, very, very beginning of the band. Uh, this was around so long ago that at one point, AJ sang this song when we used to play <laughs> at live. First, at our first show. And so I had the idea for the song, but no lyrics. And we didn't have a chorus yet either. <laughs> okay. And so I would kind of mumble on stage. And this was, yeah, this was like, you know, I think the very, the very first, very, very, very first iteration of the band, I was actually the lead singer until John and Mike sort of told me like, hey, asshole, like you can't sing. <laughs> Michael sings a lot better. Let's take your ego off. Uh, but this was, this was that one song that I was holding on to and I would sing live and it was super weird. I remember I sang Spend My Money. Uh, as the chorus, but for no particular reason. And then Michael came up with these actually pretty beautiful lyrics uh, that that retain spend my money. And to me, it, lyrically, it's a little bit kind of the uh, the softer uh, parallel of to wasting all our time. Wasting all our time. Yeah. Of uh, you wanna? No, yeah. I yeah. remember your really great explanation of it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I do too. I, I, I feel like I don't even remember the it that well, but I do remember it kind of like being along the same lines as as uh, wasting all our time and just kind of like. I don't know. Maybe we were going through more of a, a, a <laughs> insecurity. Deep, yeah, yeah, like maybe we were going through more than we we realized. But like, I think we were just going through a phase of when you get to be like I don't know mid twenties and you're trying to figure out what you want to be and what you want to do with your life. And we were kind of like in this middle ground of like, oh, we have friends that are going off and getting really good jobs and starting to like settle down as people and 
kind of change, you know, everyone's changing when you're mid twenties. And we kind of like felt this pull of like, do we kind of like give this dream up and kind of like settle into normal society or do we like stick to our guns and this is what we want to do. But yeah, I guess it was a, we were going through some deep theological issues in our brain. We we made this, we made this record before we knew about counseling. (laughs) Before you agreed to do some better help. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really relatable. That's something that I battle with. I, I, and I, I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year. And I still just I'm like, I don't want to fucking settle down. That doesn't do anything for me. And I would um, not you're almost 40. Just to yeah, that seriously. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I think there's a filter on this. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> there's a uh, but no, I think that that's like something that most people can relate to, especially at that point in your life when you start seeing like your friend group, like everyone's out of college getting into it. And you're like, oh, Trevor just bought a house. Mm-hmm. I'm still hanging out, playing music in my basement with my boys. <laughs> and like That kind of mentality can lead to something yeah. like that. So I think that that's a really good thing to a place to come from because it's really relatable. Um, Next, we've got the runaway. This song, you know, last song on the album, right? Oh, no, no, wait, 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 one, more. one more. Come yeah, on, yeah, Mike. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, this song was probably our biggest struggle out of all. To get, to get it right on the album. Like to that. get it right. And it was, it was the song, again, we had so many different versions of it. We loved it. And, like, live, it just, like, translated so well. We had this, like, awesome, loud guitar solo. And it was just, like, something that came very natural to us. But we were, like, we loved it so much. And we were just kind of struggling to like translate it to an album to like a, you know, an actual album setting. And it took us a long time and a lot of different versions, a lot of different lyrics, but we wanted this song just to kind of be just a, just a story. You know, this doesn't come from like really a place of like this happened to us or anything, but with this one was just kind of a, we, we always kind of wanted to write a song just about a story. And just out of your imagination right yeah, yeah pretty much and um but yeah i love this song it's it's so fun to play live it's probably my favorite song to play live and i'm really it, it like now that it's done and completed and mastered i'm like this is the song i might be most proud of in the end because it took it was such a hard one for us to to get right and now that it's finally done i'm like oh man i'm glad we worked through it and didn't kind of give up on it. I feel like this is like the reverse of a lot of stuff that I hear is that a song will go in and and be recorded and then the band sits there and is like, well, now we got a tour. How the hell are we going to do that? Unless we bring (laughs) a horn section on tour with us and that those types of questions, whereas you guys were like, no, we had this one like live, we killed it. And then we just could not bring it into the studio and get that same effect. So what eventually happened to be able to get you guys there? (laughs) <laughs> we <laughs> rewrote the lyrics and re-recorded yeah. them. We rewrote melodies. Pretty much the only thing that's stayed the same from its original, like tracking back back with the rest of the album, is the chord progression and some of the rhythm tracks and hmm. drum. But yeah, we we added some guitar. We added some rhythm guitar. We added uh, new vocals, new vocals, new harmonies new lyrics i mean it was there's some similar melodies that stay in the choruses and stuff but it definitely was like complete i don't know but was, the, yeah, the essence of what made made the song so great live still remains that was all, gonna be my next question is after dissecting it did that did that does that remain all the all the areas that were like just like were always so like went over so well live kind of remained intact. We, oh, we didn't yeah. really mess too much mm-hmm. with that, with those melodies. 
the lyrics in those spots is still very similar to what they used to be. The, the most powerful part about this song when we would play it live is, uh, is just like the, the emotional punch of like the chord progression and the dynamics and just the, what the song evolves into by the end. And, uh, you know, and, and even saying all that, like, you know, we realized like even the lyrics could be improved, <laughs> you know, yeah. scrapping the lyrics and, and rewriting them could actually improve the song's uh, impact. So, uh, yeah, it was it was weird sort of striving and aiming towards this ethereal goal. But uh, I feel like we got it. <laughs> eventually got there all right we've got one more when i fall in love last song on the tr on the album and um why'd we end it with this one guys We, we snuck this one on to the we were very record. sneaky yeah. we kind of went around our whole management label when we were doing the overdubs on all the other songs uh or like a couple of the other songs that we wanted to do we were like man we've always had this is one of the, this song was technically on the first album we ever released we've just always been in love with it it could be the first song we ever wrote, wrote as a band yeah. legitimately and it was just like i mean i don't know it's just such a singable song it's like i don't know so we were like let's let's record it while we're doing these overdubs and let's see if we can convince our management once it gets like finally mixed to like add it onto the record um and it's on the record that's on the record yeah so you guys did your job yeah <laughs> yeah no it's uh it is a it's a great yeah it's a great song it's weird like it's it's been around for so long and i've i've heard it so many times uh that i really can't give an, a proper assessment of it but it's one that we will never get tired of playing let's circle back in 30 years um we've got uh i'm curious about the process of did management have a version that they were like, mm, this doesn't make the cut. And then you guys were like, no, we can get it there. Or did they, had they not heard it? And then you guys were like, let's deliver them something. Cause we love it. Yeah. They, no one had ever heard it. You know, the, uh, it, it, it was a song that, yeah, we wrote so long ago, but it's, but it's always been this song that we've always have thought in our minds, like, man, if we ever get the chance, I, we want to re-record that because we want to put that on an album. It's just such a fun song to play live and it just means a lot to us now. And we kind of had the opportunity to like found our chance to sneak it in there. And, uh, and yeah, they, lo they loved it. They, they went over. Yeah. It, it was way easier to sneak on than we thought. We thought it was going to be like this big fight or whatever. Yeah, we said, we, the, the day we sent the text, we were like, oh, look at this. And then uh, we're just like, sick. okay, cool. You want to add that? And he's like, yeah, it's sick. I love it. Let's put it on. And we're like, oh, cool. <laughs> so that's the same fears that John has bringing songs to you guys. But, <laughs> but the label didn't sit there and make fun of you. No, they, yeah. didn't, they didn't <laughs> yeah. much better people <laughs> it sounds great to me you guys absolutely crushed it i'm really happy these songs didn't just get brushed aside thank you thank you thanks so much yeah, thank you thank you so much to the heavy hours what an incredible idea to bring up these songs that they had written so long ago and then to come on the show and just have the recall to be able to give us some of these stories absolutely loved it hope everyone gets to listen and check them out on tour and as always for the stories behind the songs go to songfacts.com see ya it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 